0: Well, if you've got your Bible, I want to read a, a few verses here in Luke chapter 7, and um, or 17, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 17. Don't turn to Luke 7, look at Luke chapter 17, look at verse 26, it said, As it was in the days of Noah, we read about him a few weeks ago, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. That, that's the day we're living in right now, just prior to his Return," He said, in the days of Noah, they ate and they drank and they married wives. Uh, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. You remember that story, Noah and his wife and his three boys and their wives, eight of them were on the ark. He tried to convince everyone to get on the ark, but all he could convince was his family. Now look at verse 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot... They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house... Let him not come down and take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Look at verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Now, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 19, and that's where we're going to be today. But the Lord Jesus points backward to this story in Genesis 19 because it's that important. Sodom and Gomorrah were evil cities, twin cities. Uh, They were known for their sin. In fact, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, made this statement. If America continues on its path, God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah uh, for destroying them and not destroying America. There's truth in that. We're living in a day, Jesus pointed back, he said, just like Sodom and Gomorrah just like in the days of Lot will the time be, the culture, the climate be in that time where the Son of Man will return. We're living in those days and so I want us to remember today Lot and his family. Lot and his family. I got a lot to read about Lot and his family uh, in chapter 19 and so why don't you let me Uh, read it follow along we'll go ahead and read the entire chapter there's parts of this that are somewhat um sensitive for us to read I was going to say x-rated they probably are uh but uh but we're gonna we're gonna read through it and uh and allow the Lord to speak and so let's read through chapter 19 don't fall asleep uh, get get into this story because Jesus is telling us to remember this. Remember this story. So let's be reminded of it. Verse 1, chapter 19, Genesis chapter 19. Now the two angels, you remember the two angels had visited Abraham with the Lord Jesus. There were three men that came. This was last Sunday's uh, message. Came and told Abraham that his wife Sarah was going to have a baby boy. And uh, and then the two angels left while Jesus remained talking to Abraham and the two angels went on to Sodom. And so here's picking up the rest of the story. Verse 1 Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate or in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he arose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn in to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, uh, but we will spend the night in the open square. Why? They were on a mission. Uh, The report had been given to heaven about Sodom's depravity. And Jesus and two angels have come themselves to see if the report was true. Now, could they have seen it from heaven's perspective? Absolutely. But they put feet on the ground, and they're there. They're in human form, and they're there to see it with their own eyes. And so uh, Lot says, "'Spend the night in my home.'" He knew how horrible the town was, and he knew they didn't need to be out uh, in the town at night, and they said, "'No, we need to see this firsthand.'" And so um, they said, "'No, we're going to stay here outside.'" But he insisted, in verse 3, strongly, so they turned in to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, they were Baptists, right? Anytime you've got to cook a meal. Um, and so now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called the lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now I want you to, I don't have to connect a lot of dots here, right? For you, Um, Sodom was a sexually depraved city, a sexually charged city. Uh, Sodomy is a word that we use even in our English vocabulary to describe a horrific sexual sin. It is derived from the name of this city, Sodom. The men of the city, old and young, showed up to Lot's house, beating on the door, saying, give us those two good-looking guys that just came to your house so that we can have our way with them. that That's the culture. That's the climate in Sodom. You're about to read the unthinkable in verse six and following. It said, so Lot went out to them uh, through the door and he shut the door behind him and he said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who've not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge, saying, Lot, you 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 weren't raised here, you just showed up here and now you're judging us. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door, but the men reached out their hands. These are the angels. They reached out their hands through the door and they pulled Lot into the house with them and they shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now watch this. That they have just come under the judgment of God and the angels of God have struck and stricken these men with blindness and you would think when they couldn't see anymore, that they would have left. But it says that they continued to beat on the door and they wearied themselves, still trying to get at these men. These men of Sodom were so sexually charged that they beat on the door, having no sight. This is an unbelievable picture and story. Look at verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. So the angels are saying to Lot, gather your family your immediate family your extended family anybody that you have you have the opportunity to save them from the judgment of God take them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who are married who had married his daughters and said get up Get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons in law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Literally what he said is run to the rock so that you'll be safe." And Lot said to them, Please, no, my lords, indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. It is not... uh, Is it not a little one and my soul shall live? And he said uh, to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor and the Lord reigned brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew the cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like smoke of a furnace and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and he sent Lot out of the midst of the, over, of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. You thought that was bad. It gets worse. Then Lot went up from Zor. And dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters were with him for he was afraid to dwell in Zor and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there's no man on the earth to come into us as is the custom of all of the earth. Come let us make our father drunk with wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father." So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he did not know when she had laid down and when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger indeed I lay with my father last night let us make him drink wine tonight also and you go in and lie with him and we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine on that second night. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she laid down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name ben Ammi. He is the father of the people of Amen to this day. Now, what about that story? Welcome to Sunday morning church, amen? That stuff you, you read about in them, in them books, right, that you ain't supposed to be reading. This is, this is naughty stuff. This is dirty stuff. Um, why did Jesus, when he spoke about the days that you and I live in, why did he tell those people to remember this situation, this story, and particularly remember Lot's wife. Well, we're going to remember Lot's wife, but I want to remember Lot first. And so let, let's just talk about this guy. Um, you remember from as we've walked through there, this is Abraham's nephew. This is Abraham's oldest brother's son. His brother had died, and Lot had come to live with Abram and Sarai. Um, Abram was his spiritual leader. Abraham, Uncle Abraham was the one who pointed him and protected him and guided him, and uh, he lived in his house. Uh, Abraham was the one when they left Egypt, um, and he had great wealth, He had a lot of flocks. Both the men, Lot and Abram, when they left were wealthy. They got to these plains, and God had promised them Abraham already a land that was in chapter twelve, the first two verses. He was going to give them a land and descendants uh, and a family. And so, uh, so, so Abraham gets his nephew Lot and the herdsmen. There's way too much uh, for uh, for both Lots' herdsmen and their herd, and Abram, Abram's herdsmen and, and his herds to to stay in one place. And so he said, Lot, you pick where you want to go, and in chapter 13 listen when it says it's in verse 11 you don't have to turn there just maybe jot it down verse 11 in chapter 13 it says when they got to that place um, and Lot lifted his eyes and he saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other now now listen to this it said that Abram dwelt in the land of Cana. This is verse 12. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Now he just, he just uh, pitched his tent and settled toward Sodom, but his eyes were toward Sodom. Lot is a guy that is living his life by sight rather than by faith. Abraham is one who walks by faith. Lot is a picture of a believer that is walking by sight. And so he saw what was beautiful. He saw what was appealing to him. And he chose that by sight. And it was, he, he was heading toward this city, Sodom. Did he know it was bad? Did he know that Sodom had a reputation? He did because in the very next verse it says this, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. There's no indication here that, that, uh, that Lot's even married yet. And so there's no miss Lot that's been mentioned. Lot is seemingly is a wealthy single man that goes toward this wicked, sinful city, and he plants his life there. And um, he's a saved man because Second Peter chapter two verses six through eight. You can see this. Peter says this about Sodom. He was righteous. And so he was. He was saved. Undoubtedly, he had lived by faith. He had seen his uncle Abraham's faith, and he followed that faith. And he had trusted God, and he was walking with God. And but yet, he got off track when he chose to live towards Sodom. And once you go off track, uh, you step outside of God's will. Uh, you're, you may still be in relationship with Him, but you're living in disobedience to Him. And so he's he's pitched his tent towards Sodom, and and he is looking for. A wife, and uh, at this part of the story uh, saw, uh, lot has uh, found a wife um, and he has had at least four children. Uh, there were two sons in laws that were married to his two older daughters, and then there were two daughters that were still living at home that the men that he offered to the men and so this is a girl dad there's no boys in the family uh, Lot and his wife uh, married, and more than likely, he married a lady from Sodom, raised in Sodom, born in Sodom, raised in Sodom, family in Sodom. Uh, th- this couple um, is unequally yoked. Uh, Lot is a believer that is living in disobedience, who's backslidden, he's backslidden believer. And he goes to Sodom, he finds a wife of Sodom, he marries her, and he has four girls, and he raises them, not just toward Sodom. The next time we see Lot, he's in the city of Sodom. You remember the story um, that uh, that the kings had joined together and they had ransacked Sodom, and Abraham found out. And so he brought 318 of his finally trained mercenaries, and he goes and attacks these kings, and he brings his family back Lot, his wife, and his girls. He brings them back, and guess where they go? Back to Sodom. They head back to that place of wickedness. They had a chance to get a fresh start. Oftentimes in our life, we get chances to make fresh starts. God allows something to happen in our life. It could be a tragedy. uh, It could be a scare. um, It could be whatever it is that draws us close to the Lord for a moment, for a season, and yet we backslide. We end up back. They, They had an opportunity to make a fresh start, and they end up back in Sodom. I made this statement uh, several weeks ago that Lot had moved his life and his family into Sodom and Sodom has moved into his family. When we see Lot in chapter 19, he's not just a resident of Sodom, he's a leader in Sodom. One of the very first verses we read that when the angels came, he was sitting at the gate in Sodom. we see this picture in proverbs chapter 31 uh, the, the the this passage about the a righteous wife or um, a virtuous wife Solomon King Solomon's writing this he uses a pen name King Lemuel he's writing this about his mother which is Bathsheba by the way and he writes all of these qualities of a godly wife in Proverbs 31 in the middle of that it says that her husband it's the only time uh, there's a quality given to her husband it says her husband sits at the gate of the city among the elders of the city They were significant in ancient day. The gate of the city was where the town council would sit. It's where you would take small claims courts or disputes among brothers. You would bring them to the elders of the city and the wisdom of the elders would judge that case. Well, uh, King Solomon was the king of Jerusalem and he would sit at the gate of the city when he wasn't in the palace and he would sit with his elders and he would sit with the men and he would would carry on uh, court there at the gates of the city. Well, we uh, we see lot sitting at the gate of sodom he's now this transplant that has been that has planted his life and his family in this wicked city and the city has recognized him as a leader he's sitting on the town council he has opportunity to change things and he's not he's allowing if not allowing he's uh, he is um putting his stamp of approval on, the wickedness in this city. Lot is a picture of a backslidden believer. He invited the angels into his house. He would not allow them to stay out for fear of what might happen to them. And that night, he does all that he can to protect him. Now, he, he, it is unfathomable, um, the decision in verse 8 that he made to say, listen, take my daughters. What man, what father in their right mind would not protect his daughters? Probably teenage daughters. It says that they'd never been with a the man. They're virgins. They've never been married. What man in his right mind? Was, well, Lot's not in his right mind. Um, well, a lot is protecting God's messengers, and in uh, doing so, he 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 stops protecting his own children. That that night, he hears the judgment that's coming on the city, and he is compelled. The angel said, "Go, go round up the family." We we've seen this before. Um, you remember in Jericho when the spies had come to Rahab, the prostitute's house, and they told her that whoever is in your house will be saved, and you put a scarlet cord down, and and when we come to uh, remove the inhabitants of the city of Jericho, that whoever the scarlet cord is, that that house will be saved and everyone who's in that house. I believe this, Rahab packed the house. She knew that her family had to be in that house because that was the only way to be saved. Noah got his family, and all that would follow him was his family. Well, Lot goes to get his two sons-in-law and his daughters and potentially his grandchildren, begging them. Judgment's coming. C- come with do you see the urgency in this, in evangelism, in in, in Lot's life? He is a backslidden Christian, and, and he is. He now knows for certain that judgment is coming and he's frantically going to his children's home, begging them to leave the city with him and they thought that he was joking. And what's crazy to me is judgment would come at sunup and Lot slept like a baby that night. In fact, it says that the angels had to um, wake him up that morning and said, "Arise, get, get up, hurry with haste because judgment's coming, and this guy slept like a a baby. I tell you what the slightest thing interrupts my sleep these days. If I knew that judgment was coming, I would have spent all night long doing all I could." to get everyone I could to get out of that city. And yet Lot goes home and sleeps. The angel hastens him. And and watch what it says. It said that he lingered. Even to the fact that the angel had to grab his hand and drag him out and grab his wife's hand and drag her out and grab his two daughters' hands. You, you You can see each angel has two people. One angel has Lot and his wife by the hand and the other angel has his two daughters by the hand and they're dragging them out of Sodom. Lot is a picture of a spineless, passive, cowardly husband and father. That this is a guy that has sunk so low in his backslidden state that he has no regard for spiritual things anymore. He has been so hardened by the sin that surrounded him that he has no concern for the lost. He slept like a baby. Church, this may be a picture of the church today. That the world that, we, that surrounds us is living on the brink of judgment and we sleep like babies. In, in fact, probably one, one description of the church, I'm not just talking about First Baptist, I'm talking about the church of the Lord Jesus On the earth, currently on the earth, probably one characteristic is that the church is asleep. While the world goes to hell, the church sleeps. And judgment's coming. Remember Lot. But remember Lot's girls, they knew nothing but Sodom they 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 had no visions of anything but this place they had no past memory of the good old days in another place they were born in sodom they were raised in sodom and all of the sexual depravity that surrounded them that they were raised around that that was that was they thought the whole world was like that that they thought that was common place i want you to know something this generation that is growing up in this country today—if you have grandchildren that are teenagers and young children—if you have—if you—if parents of teenagers um, today—I want you to know something: they—they they know nothing else. That they have—they have been raised in a Sodom. They have been raised in a, in a culture where everything is so sexually charged. Everything at every turn, everything that they have encountered, the last two days that they were on campus after this past summer break, I guarantee you from young elementary students to all the way through high school, if you have grandkids or if you have children that are in, uh, in, in the school system, they have been confronted with sexual sin in the last two days people who are confused about their own sexual identity, Uh, teenagers who are uh, engaged in sexual immorality, whether it's fornication, sex outside of marriage, maybe it's homosexuality, maybe it's lesbianism, whatever it is, your student in the last two days has been confronted because they live in the culture we've just read about. But here's the deal, they don't know any different. Listen, your grandkids, your children, um, they, they have never heard a dial-up modem in their life. They don't even know what that is. They, they don't know what it's like to wait on something to download. They, 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 they have no concept of that. They, 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 they've never made popcorn on the stove before. They, they've never rolled the windows down like this in the car. There's things that they've never experienced They've never waited for a movie to come out on VHS. You remember that? Are y'all gonna go to see that movie? No, I'm gonna wait for it to come out on VHS. You'd wait months for it to come, out. and then when it finally hit Blockbuster, you'd head the Blockbuster. They didn't. Even, they don't even know Blockbuster existed. You'd head to Blockbuster, and you know what you'd do? You'd find out there were seven copies, and they're all out. And then you'd have to wait again for them to bring them back so you could come back in in a hope the next weekend and get them. This generation has no idea of waiting. They don't wait on anything. They tap their feet at the microwave waiting for a meal to be done. Do you know what's crazy? This generation has never gone to bed wondering anything do you remember what it was like when someone would bring up a question hey who sings that song and you would sit around the table and you would think man I I can come up with a couple words of it or who was that guy well there were two people that sang it but but who I want to know who sang it originally and and you would sit around and one person would say this is gonna drive me crazy Do you know what, this generation has never been driven crazy by a question that they didn't have an answer to because they've always had Google right there at their hand. This generation has been raised unlike any other generation that has ever faced this earth and walked upon this earth. This generation, everything is happening so rapidly and progressing so rapidly and declining so rapidly. And this generation, this world they live in is a picture of chapter 19 of the book of Genesis and remember Lot's girls they knew nothing but Sodom but watch this they were raised in a house and they knew nothing about God raised by a dad who knew God but raised by a backslidden father and a lost mother their home life they were loved but they had no boundaries their father was so passive in his leadership in their house he wasn't their protector he didn't question what they were wearing when they came out he never said you're gonna you can't go into town with that on He never said, your skirt's too short, your shorts are too short, your shirt's too tight. He was passive. He was doing his own thing. He wasn't a protector. He didn't date his daughters. He wasn't the first man that loved them, protected them. He didn't interrogate their boyfriends when they came to the house. When I came to Andrew's house the very first time, Jeb Lord was cleaning a rifle in his living room. The very first thing, this man, this burly, big old mountain of a man, he had a beard and he had a gun at the door. And the very first thing he said to me was, Hey, let's sit down and talk about you dating my daughter. I said, Sir, I was just leaving. I'm not dating her. you kidding me? Next thing I thought he was going to say is, listen, boy, I've been to prison, and I'm not afraid to go back, right? I just figured that was next. He took me hunting early in the morning. We drive down this road, and it's pitch black. I didn't bring a flashlight. He stops at this road, and we're on a high line, and he points down. He said, the deer stand is like two... uh, two light poles down you can't miss it you, just find, you get to the second light pole go to the right there's the deer stand I thought he's going to hide in the woods and shoot me <laughs> he's going to bury my orange vest no one will ever see me again so Lot didn't do that Lot didn't interrogate their boyfriends he didn't sit them on the couch he didn't ask him or or demand from them that they have a curfew he didn't Talk to them. He, they had life with no boundaries. He didn't ask questions. He was passive. He was backslidden, saved with no concern. Remember Lot's girls. But let's do what Jesus did. Let's remember Lot's wife. Luke chapter 17 and verse 32, it's it's really one of the shortest verses in the Bible. But Jesus points back to Genesis chapter 19 and he reminds all of his hearers of that day and all of us today to go back and look at this story. Remember Lot's wife. She was led by a compromised Christian. If you were to have knocked on uh, Mrs. Lot's door and asked her a spiritual question, I mean if visitation went out on a Tuesday night through Sodom and you were going knocking and it was two by two and you were just gonna go and share the gospel with people in Sodom and you got to Lot's house and the only person home was Lot's wife, and you knocked upon their door, and she came, and you would ask her, tell me about your relationship with God. She would say, well, you know, we're good people. We're trying to raise our girls to be accepted. They're beautiful girls. We want them to be liked. We want... Them to be popular, you know, we get them involved in as much as we can get them involved in. They're in dance, and, uh, they, they, you know, our goal for them is to be the cheerleader down at uh, Sodom High. (laughs) Tell me about your relationship with God. We're good people. We pay our taxes. My husband sits at the gate. We're leaders here. We're involved in our community. We give of our time. My husband, now he comes from a good family. Tell us about your relationship with God. You know, my husband's uncle, do you know who he is? I mean, he's Abraham. He lives there in Mamre in the trees in the forest there. I mean, he's a righteous man. We call him the crazy uncle, but he, he's a good guy. Tell me about your relationship with God. I tell you what, God sure has blessed us. Look at this beautiful house and these beautiful girls. You know, the man upstairs has poured his blessings out on us. (laughs) You see, she had no relationship with God. But you know what? She is a picture of maybe even people in this room this morning who would say, look at all that God has blessed us with. And and somehow confuse God's blessings with God's redemption. You say, well, God's blessed us with a good family. We have a good job and our kids are doing well in school. God God must be in the center of our family. You know what? God blesses people. It's his nature. God's loving God and he blesses. But don't mistake God's blessing for God's redemption. See, you can be blessed by God and still be lost. You can have a crazy uncle that really loves Jesus and talks to you about Jesus every family reunion, but you won't get to heaven on the coattails of your uncle. Remember Lot's wife. Everything she loves is in Sodom. Two married girls... Two sons-in-laws, maybe grandkids, two unmarried daughters. Probably her parents are still there. Everything she loves. Remember Lot's wife? She really had too much to leave, didn't she? Really too much to lose on this earth physically. She was almost saved, but she couldn't walk away. From her past. You know anybody like that? The demands of following Jesus are so great that someone may get close to walking with Jesus, but they can't bear to walk away from their past. And the Bible says she became a pillar of salt. What's the significance of that? I wish I knew. I know this. Her heart was already hard, and God hardened the rest of her. Everything would have been different, watch this, if Lot had been the salt that God wanted him to be. Everything in his family would have gone differently if Lot would have been the salt and the light for his family. If you've got just a minute, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. L- l- listen to this. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is um, preaching this message in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And right at the beginning, he shares the Beatitudes, the blessing statements. Blessed are you. Um, but then in verse 13, listen to what he says. He says, You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. What's he saying? Salt has a lot of characteristics. One of them is to preserve. Um, it preserves meat. And one of them is a healing thing. So salt will heal wounds. You know, the, the probably the the most vivid picture for us is is that a flavoring? Salt changes the taste of something, and it doesn't become what it's been placed on. You can put salt on French fries, and they're just salty fries. It doesn't, uh, it, the salt doesn't become fries. The fries don't become salt. It changes the taste of fries without becoming fries. And Jesus is telling you and I that we're to go out into this world, change the flavor of this world without becoming this world. We're we're to take it home with us. Lot never took the salt home. Lot had an opportunity to lead his wife to faith. Lot had an opportunity to raise his four daughters in a house of faith. Lot never took the salt home. He could have changed the flavor of his home. In fact, it was his responsibility to... Look at, look at what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But in the, he's talking about the house, how a light is supposed to light the house, and that light in that house will eventually light the city. You put it on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Lot, if he would have decided to change the flavor of his home and his family to be the light in his house, this day would have been completely different. Sir, I I, want to ask you a question. What happens to a man and his family when the man surrenders his life to the authority of Jesus Christ? What what, what would God do in your marriage and in your family if you, not your wife, if you would surrender your life to the authority of Jesus Christ? There's been a lot of studies done And statistics are statistics, and we can make them say anything they want to say. Lifeway uh, sent out a survey, and they answered that question. What would happen if the man of the house surrendered his life to the authority of Jesus and began walking with him and coming to church? Listen to this. If a father does not go to church and the mom does, one in 50 kids will grow up and attend church. one in 50. That's with a mom who loves Jesus with a dad who doesn't. If the father goes to church regularly and it doesn't matter if the mom does or not, but if the father goes to church regularly between two-thirds and three-quarters of the children will grow up and take serious a relationship with God. Is that not amazing? You know, if that didn't get you, listen to this one. If a child is the first to get saved, I was the first to be saved in my family. I was uh, 17 years old. I was a child in my home at that time. If a child is the first to get saved, there is a 3.5% probability that the family will follow and be saved. Now watch this. If the mom is the first to get saved, the number bumps up to 17. There's a 17% chance of probability that the remainder, the rest of the family will follow Jesus and be saved. But if dad's the first one to get saved, you're not ready for this. 93% probability that the rest of the family will follow Jesus. You see, God established you to be the leader of your family you have just witnessed what happens when a man decides to passively live a backslidden christian life and not live for jesus christ so i want to challenge you what does it take for you to step up listen ladies you you ought to be committed to jesus this sermon is not just for the men you ought to be committed to Jesus. When mom and dad together are, it changes everything when you're on the same page. Yesterday, we um, celebrated the life of Melissa Kinney right here. I don't know how many people were here a lot. I told a story about uh, the day she got saved they were sitting right back there it was March the 9th 2014 Gene Williams was preaching some of y'all remember brother Gene he was an evangelist he's in heaven now Gene Williams was preaching and they both Matt and Melissa both came forward and surrendered their life to Christ March the 9th 2014. I shared the story yesterday that um, in uh, May of 2015, we were interviewing Brandon Lewis to come be our student pastor. This was his first time at First Baptist Halton, and uh, we were there, and uh, prior to that, Travis Paraly had texted me uh, questions, interview questions to ask, and one of them was, uh, what was the last hole you dug and Why? And Travis, he and I were looking at that, I said, Well that's a stupid question. Why would anybody ask that? He said, No, what was the last hole you dug? I said, I planted a tree for in memory of my mom. See he said, see, I just learned a lot about you. I said, Hey, this question may be better than I thought. And so we get in there with Brandon and Travis texts me, he said, Did you ask him about the hole he dug? And so I get my phone and it buzzes and we're in the youth room and I show, Matt is standing right beside me. This is May of 15, March of 14, he got saved. And I, I show him that, uh, that text that Parley had sent and, and uh, I said, hey, what was the last hole you dug? He said, I dug a hole March the 9th, 2014. I said, what would what, you dig that hole for? He said, I buried Julio. Now Julio was Matt's nickname Julio was the guy Matt used to be. Julio was the guy that did all of the drinking and all of the partying and all of those things. And he said, everything that was Julio went in that hole and I buried Julio. (laughs) That's powerful. Because when we surrender our life to Jesus, the old man dies, don't they? You might as well bury him. But there's a new life, a new birth. I shared that story and yesterday afternoon, I, I'm, I, I got another funeral this this afternoon. Um, Bill Mayfield, whose house is right in our uh, front of our, uh, right in front of this building, passed away this week, and we're going to do a graveside for Mr. Bill this afternoon. And I was visiting with his family And when I got out of that. Um, I was heading home. It was about three thirty, four o'clock, and my phone buzzed. A young man in our church who was sitting in that funeral, he texted me this. He said, I just dug a hole. I got on the phone with Sam Brimer last night. He said, man, I left that funeral and God was all over me. I walked an aisle when I was a little boy. There's never been evidence that Christ lived inside of me. He said, I cried all the way home. I told Lauren I needed to go check a place that he had burned. Sam's a forester. He had burned a track, of timber in Ivan, Friday, and he told Lauren, he said, "I need to go check that track out." And he said, "I I grabbed my Bible that was sitting on the uh, counter, and I threw it in my truck." And he said, "I cried all the way to Ivan, under conviction." He said, "I pulled up to that track that he said I didn't need to check it. Everything was good Friday. I knew it was going to be a good Saturday, so I just need to get away." And he said, "I pulled up to that track, and I grabbed my Bible that was sitting on the dashboard of my truck, and." He said, I just told God right there, I said, he said I got to know that this is real. I need to know that you're, you're moving in my heart. And he said, he just opened his Bible up and it opened up to Psalm chapter one. He started reading Psalm one and verse two, it said like a tree that's planted by streams of water. He said, Lord, that's me. I'm a, I'm a tree guy, right? I do that. I do trees. He said, but I just knew Psalm one, two wasn't the verse God wanted me to see. He said, but on that page of my Bible, Job ended at the top and Psalm 1 started. He said, so I looked up at the top of Job. He said, listen, man, I, I, I've read a lot in the Bible. I don't know that I've ever read the book of Job in its entirety. And he said, chapter 42 of Job was the last chapter. He said, so I started reading Job 42. And he said, I got down to verse 6. And God told Job to repent in dust and ashes. He said, I stepped outside of my truck, and he said, I was broken. My boots landed in dust, and all I could see was ashes where I had burned that field the day before. And he said, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to know something. I told Sam Brimer last night on the phone. I said, you know, you may not have noticed this or understood this, but when you drove back home from Ivan, you brought a new daddy home to your boys. Lauren got a brand new husband. Y'all been married for 13 years. But when you showed up yesterday afternoon from Ivan, Lauren got a brand new husband. What would happen today if your wife and your kids, if a brand new man showed up at home today? Well, what would happen if today when you got home, your husband got a brand new wife and your kids got a brand new mama I want you to know something. It's easy to live like Lot. It's easy to live a backslidden, compromised life. It's easy to allow Sodom to come into your home. You wanna know why it's easy? Because everybody that surrounds you is doing it. It's difficult to go against Sodom. It's difficult to follow Jesus and surrender to his authority. But I'll tell you what, When you do, he changes everything in your life. I want us to bow together this morning. Heads are bowed. God, I ask you to move in this invitation. God, I, I pray over marriages in this room. I pray, Father, that you would reconcile struggling marriages, marriages that are really close to giving up, God, I pray that you would reconcile and restore those covenants. God, I pray for every family that's represented in this room. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be in the center of it. God, I pray for every man in this room. Lord, if there's one man in this room who needs Jesus, God, I pray today that August the 13th, 2023 would be their day that they repent in dust and ashes. God, I pray over every lady in this room. God, I pray, Father, that if there's a lady in this room that needs to surrender their life to Jesus, God, that today would be the day that Jesus would mean everything to them. They've gotten close before, but have so much to leave that they never left their old life. And God, I pray today that they would. God, you do what only you can do. And Father, we trust you and we ask you to do it. Move by the power of your Holy Spirit we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, church. We're going to sing an invitation, and all this is is just inviting you to come. If you need to be saved, come to one of our pastors. If you want to join First Baptist Halton, come to one of our pastors. If you want to just come down here and pray, you come and pray here at the altar. You come as we sing this morning.